0: Um, So our first Bible reading for the night comes from Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. Um, So it's on page 1026 in the Visitor's Bible. So starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he warned the disciples not to tell
1: anyone that he was the christ uh, the second reading comes from acts chapter 7 starting at verse 54 and that can be found on eleven forty-eight. this comes immediately after stephen has spoken to the sanhedrin when they heard this they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria.
2: Uh, 26th of August, 1868. 270 people gathered on a bare hillside up here and they watched a man put a rock in the ground. And 150 years later, we're getting together tonight just near that hill to celebrate that a man put a rock in the ground. As Graham asked, what is it we are celebrating here tonight? And if we're celebrating, who should we thank for this? And as we think about the past and so look towards the future, do we have any reason to be confident about the future and that the church will still be here in another 150 years? They're the questions that Matthew 16. He's going to answer for us tonight. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was amazing the crowds with his words and his actions, but he wouldn't tell them who he was. And so when he gathered his disciples together in a town called Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do they say I am? They say you're a prophet, his disciples said. More than that, a prophet who's risen from the dead. But who do you say I am, Jesus asked. And Peter speaks up. You are the Christ, the King, the Anointed One. And not just any king, but God's king. And not just any God's king. There have been a lot of those over the nation of Israel. This is the God's king, God's promised king, who would rule with justice and righteousness forever, who would rule over Israel, who would rule over the nations, who would rule over all kings. Tonight as we uh, celebrate the putting down of this foundation stone, this is the right foundation. This is actually what it's all about. You could have been at Pioneer Village this morning celebrating, they say, celebrating our heritage, checking out the blacksmith, going for a ride on a horse, seeing what it was like in those early days, Is that what we're doing here tonight? Celebrating our heritage, how the community valued building a church, how the church has contributed to the community? No, that's not what we're about. We're here because of Jesus. We're here because of who Jesus is and because of who we say he is. For 150 years we've been proclaiming him, that he's God's promised king, and lives have been transformed and so... Jesus I think wants to ask you tonight who do you say I am am I just a good man says Jesus am I just a prophet from God who you believe has risen from the dead yes or am I more than that am I God's promised king who will rule rule not just till the next party room spill? not just for a diamond jubilee, not just for 150 years or even 2,000 years, but for eternity and rule over you. This is the key foundation to it all. Who do you say I am? And unlike a foundation stone, it needs to be front and center. Are you clear about who Jesus is? And like Peter, do you say it? What is it that God's promised king wants to do? God's promised king wants to build his church. Down through history, great men have loved to build things. They want to make their name great. They want to leave a legacy. And so Donald Trump loved to build towers. Trump towers. He wanted to build one in Moscow, of course. Uh, Now that he's president, he wants to build a wall. To make his name great, I suspect. In Jesus' day, there was no Trump, there was King Herod. And he loved to build. He built the temple in Jerusalem, which is an extraordinary building. And he happened to build a temple in Caesarea Philippi as well. Not to the true God, of course. No, he was a very flexible man. He built a temple there to one of the Roman gods because he was backed by the Romans. What does Jesus, this great man, want to build? He wants to build a church. I want to build a church. You can understand that. Some of us have seen those magnificent cathedrals with ceilings that stretch to the sky. Some of us are impressed by worldwide organizations called churches. Is that what Jesus means? Of course not. He's not talking about a building. He didn't build anything. Nothing was left from his time on earth. He's not talking about an organization. He didn't build one. The word means gathering. And it's the first time it's used here in Matthew's gospel, so it seems to jump out of the blue. What on earth is he talking suddenly about a gathering for? But if you look at the Old Testament, God is always gathering his people. He gathered them out of Egypt to Mount Sinai. They were his people. When they were in exile, he gathered them back. And so God's promised king, the Messiah, will surely have his people and gather them. And what is the greatest thing at the end of the Bible that's been built? It's a church, a gathering. Revelation 7, a multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe and language, the great multicultural multitude. Jesus wants to build a church and it's great in Revelation 7, not just because it's a great multitude, but because it's Jesus' church. Jesus wants to build his church. Lives transformed by him, gathered around him. As we saw last week, he wants to build my church to be my bride. Back in 1868, the assistant minister from Richmond had been working hard to try and get a church built here. He convinced a couple of local landholders, Jones and Lamrock, to donate some land. Bishop Barker came and laid that rock in the ground. The community donated the money and they called it St. Stephen's. But whose church was it? It wasn't Stephen's, was it? It wasn't the bishops. It wasn't the local communities. It was Christ's church. His people are gathering belonging to him. What does God's promised king want to build? He wants to build his church. So I think Jesus asks us tonight, what do you want to build? What do we want to build? Do you want to build your career, your education path? Get the job that you want? Do you want to build your retirement fund so that you can retire with ease? Do you want to build your children's future, your grandchildren's future? Do you want to build your community? Are any of those things more important than what God's promised king wants to build? Well, you know the answer to that question, don't you? Of course not. But by the way we think, by the way we spend our time, by the way we spend our money, it seems like we do. What do you want to build? And what do we want to build our church into? Do we want our church to stay the same and be comfortable, more of what we like? What do we want our church to become? Well, clearly that's the wrong question, isn't it? God's promised king wants to not build our church. He wants to build his church. It is his church and not ours. And what he wants to happen is what matters. People gather around him by making and growing disciples. Will that mean that it stays the same, that it will be comfortable, that it will be like you want it to be? I don't think so. Do you think church today here is the same as it was 150 years ago? Of course not. But we've needed to change because community has changed. And we'll need to change again. Is that what you want to do? God's promised king wants to build his church. Do you? God's promised king wants to build this church to be his church here. Is that what we want? Jesus is God's promised king and he wants to build his church. And finally, God's promised king will build his church In Matthew 16, here is the key verse that we're looking at tonight, verses 18 and 19. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is a big verse for Peter, isn't it? Can you imagine for a moment how he feels at this point? When Jesus, the very first time I think that Jesus met him, he told Simon that now he was going to have a new name, Peter. It means rock. And Peter must have wondered to himself, well, he's just met me. Does he think that I'm a rock? Do I look like a rock? For these couple of years, he must have wondered, what on earth is Jesus talking about? Some of you know that there's an actor called The Rock, don't you? And when you see The Rock in a movie, it's pretty obvious straight away why they call him The Rock. When you look at him, I mean, he looks like me, doesn't he? His muscles are huge. And you can see why he's called the rock. He is strong. Is that what it is with Peter? No. He says things and then he wavers, doesn't he? It's not his character. Why is he the rock? I tell you that you are Peter, the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. What is it that Peter has just done? He has spoken. Spoken about Jesus and correctly identified Jesus as the Christ, God's promised King. Peter is going to keep on declaring that. He will be the one in Acts 2 to declare that Jesus is the Christ, risen from the dead, and to call people to repent and to come to him. Peter, the proclaimer, that's why he's the rock. And on that foundation, Jesus is. Gathering will be built. It is a big verse for Peter. Though I can't find the word Pope or the Bishop of Rome in this verse. It's a big verse for Peter, but it's not really about Peter, do you see? I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Is it Peter who builds the church? Down through the centuries, there's been all sorts of people who have proclaimed that Jesus is God's promised king. There's been Peter. We saw tonight there was Stephen who was stoned for it. Paul who proclaimed it across the Roman Empire as well. There have been millions of people down through the centuries. There have been thousands of people who've served in our church. Have they been building the church? No. Jesus says, I will build my how does he do that? In verse 21, by dying and rising again, by purchasing people to be part of his gathering so that he owns them and they serve him and they proclaim him through their transformed lives. But do you think Peter and Stephen and Paul transformed themselves? Do you think the people who have served through our church and proclaimed Jesus, they did that in their own strength? Did they make that happen? Of course not. Jesus died and rose again and sent his spirit. It's Jesus' spirit who's continued to do this. That's the message of the book of Acts. Jesus says, I will build my church. So what does that mean when you're celebrating the 150th anniversary of your church? Should we be thankful to those who've gone before? To those guys who gave the land? To those who gave the money and those who built the building and those who've been making and growing disciples here well yes but more than that we should be thankful to Jesus he's been doing it he's the reason this church is here and that you are benefiting from it are you thanking him for it do you regularly thank Jesus for the people of our church and how you benefit from it and what it's doing in our community, are you thankful? And not just thankful, but we should be confident. In our world, there are so many impressive groups of people aren't there. The nation of China is extraordinary in what it's done in the last 20 years, don't you think? They're a huge nation, a powerful nation, and they are surely the next superpower. Apple Corporation is extraordinary, don't you think? The first American corporation to be valued at one trillion dollars. These things are so big, so rich, and they change our lives and they are growing so fast. And how does the church look to you in comparison? Small, unimpressive, yes the church has got a long history But how long will it last? I mean, what would you buy shares in? Apple or the church? Well, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. If anything is going to overcome a gathering of people, it is death. Don't you see? Jesus dies. That's going to be a problem for the church. Stephen dies. What's going to happen now? Peter dies. Paul dies. They are all executed in persecution. And even those who are not persecuted in execution, they die as well. There were 270 people here up on that hill 150 years ago. I'm pretty sure none of them got martyred. I would have heard about that, I reckon. But every single one of them is dead. Some of them are there in the ground up there, gathered around the church building. They're all dead, and that's a problem when you're building a gathering of people. When you're an Apple Corporation, it's a great asset that the things you produce die every couple of years because people go on and buy new ones. You want that, but you don't want it with a gathering of people, do you? What's going to happen to the church? Will it die as well? Well, it hasn't for 2,000 years. Why not? Because Jesus will build his church. And the gates of Hades, that means death itself, what could be more powerful than that, will not overcome it. Do you believe that? Are you absolutely certain that nothing will stop Jesus' church, that there is no force, no group, no corporation, no country that is more certain in the world today to remain than the church. Whether we will be on this site in 150 years, who can tell, who cares? But Jesus' gathering of people, nothing can stop it. Are you that confident? Well, 150 years ago today, uh, Bishop Barker came and he got a rock and laid it in the ground. It wasn't because he was a stonemason and had cut the rock himself, I doubt it. It's not because he was a builder and good with rocks. Why did a bishop come? Well, he had an appeal, and this is what the original document says. He pointed out the value of the church to the residents and the necessity of its completion in a liberal and generous spirit. What does that mean, do you think? He asked them for money, didn't he? That's why he'd come. Here's your rock. Now it's up to you to build the rest. And they did. They gave the money and they built it. What's my appeal to you tonight? It's not money. No, it's much bigger than that. Do you see the foundation front and centre? Jesus says, who do you say I am? Are you thoroughly convinced that he is God's promised king? Do you proclaim that to others? And if you are convinced that he's God's promised king, then do you know what he wants to build? The church, a gathering of people, his church. And is that what you want to build more than anything else? Is that what you want our church to be? And if you do, are you thankful and are you completely confident that nothing will stop Jesus' church? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is God's promised king and because he's God's promised king, whatever he plans to do will happen. Thanks for showing us that what matters in life what is the thing that will last that's worth investing in is Jesus' gathering. Help us to be convinced of that. And with all the decisions and other things we're busy with, help us, to, help us to prioritise gathering with one another, investing in building your people around Jesus. Father, we pray that we would be thankful. And Father, we pray you know that we sometimes struggle to see that your church will grow, that your church will survive. So help us to believe Jesus' words, that he will build his church and death itself will not overcome it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.